Hello, welcome back to Pop Idol with an L-E, an American Idol slash International Idol recap show. But we are starting with American Idol, and we are starting with the semifinals, the top 30, group one of American Idol of season one, which aired in 2002. Is everyone okay? It has been literally 16 years since American Idol started. And it has since been canceled and brought back to life. Can you, can you believe? Cause I can't. If you haven't already, go back and listen to my first episode, my pilot episode. I kind of explained there what I'm going to do with this show, how I'm gonna present it to you, why this is so important to me. So go check that out. Come back here and then we will get into the episode. So before I start recapping the show, what I want to do since we're starting a new season, meaning American Idol season one, in the future, if this ever makes it to like a different season of American Idol or Australian Idol or Canadian Idol, what I'm going to do the first episode of that season, I'm going to tell you what I remember, who I loved, who I hated, what was the tea for me back when I was 12. I am... 27 now, but I was 12 when the show debuted. I can't. I can't even believe that it has been that long. Anyway, so here's what I remember about American Idol season one. I started, I started watching American Idol season one at the top four episode, and Nikki McKibben slayed that episode. She did so good, but I really fell in love with Nikki McKibben, so I had revisited it since then, and Nikki McKibben is definitely one of my favorite people to have been on the show that season. I remember really loving Kelly Clarkson, ducka, 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 like, that's all I remember, I remember Kelly Clarkson was such a dork. That's what I remember. So uh, before we get into a little to know about me is I don't really care for male vocalists that much. Or I definitely didn't care for them at 12. At 12, I was into the Spice Girls and Britney Spears. I mean, not much has changed. I'm still into the Spice Girls and still into Britney Spears. So I've not evolved as much in my musical taste as I would have expected myself to. But just know that going in, I tend to favor uh, more female voices than others. So I didn't quite get Justin Guarini. I'm really hoping to enjoy him a little bit more this time around. I remember a couple people from the semifinals. I remember um, Jasmine Lowry. She sang, You Put a Move on My Heart. And I remember Angela Peel, who sang Run to You. And then she also came back for the wild card episode. Do you guys remember the wild cards? That shit was my favorite. That was your last ditch effort. This was your last opportunity, as far as you knew, to impress the world and the judges. So... I live for this format. The season one format really got me. I really like this format. Well, and also it was brand new and it was fresh. So it was like, we didn't really know what was going on with the whole thing yet. So I just remember that. I remember season one semifinals. You didn't perform in front of an audience. It was a piano and then it was the judges. And then there was a room full of your peers in the other room. So like you could hear a penny drop in this scenario and and if you mess up we're gonna hear it 
And I like this format for the semifinals as opposed to the ways they did it in the future because you really get to hear the quality of the singer's voice and, and you get to hear how good they are because sometimes the loud music can cover up some imperfections. And I don't think to be an American Idol you have to be a perfect singer. I never thought that. I just thought you had to be interesting, but you also have to be pretty good at singing, you know, to win. Because there's that whole, like, X Factor nonsense that you really have to, you have to really sell, you have to really sell yourself. Other things I remember from American Idol season one. I remember, hmm, well, I remember EJ, no, not EJ, Jim Vararos. He was the first person, I think, to come out, like, as gay after American Idol, which is clearly very important to me. I didn't get it at the time, but I'm, I'm caught up now. I'm a fully realized homosexual. And I think that's about it. I remember liking Tamira a lot. I think Christina Christian's voice, I remember thinking her voice was really interesting. She had a lot of vibrato. And that kind of changed the, I don't know, anytime she sung it was just very captivating because it was different. I remember uh, Ryan Starr. I, rem I remember horrible haircuts. I have clearly watched an episode. I didn't remember the crazy fashion. I think Ryan Starr, she like created her own, she like made her own clothes, which is, it's very impressive. None of her clothes fell apart. And I watch Drag Race and their clothes fall apart like all the damn time. But it's a different show, different things. It's, it's, anyway. Is there anything else I remember from American Idol season one? I do remember wanting Kelly to win in the top two. I think her, I think she deserved to win. And it's, it's going to be fun going back into these old episodes. So now I'm going to begin my recap of American Idol season one, group one of the top 30 semifinalists. And just so you know, I have, will be making WordPress a blog post where I am posting all of the performances that I can find from YouTube and embedding them into one post. So if you, the viewer, ever want to, or you, the viewer, you, the listener, would like to ever go view those, the WordPress link is always going to be in my description box. So if you're listening on iTunes or wherever you listen, just click that, that, that little bit.ly. It's going to take you right to my website so you can really, um, Check those performances out and maybe form an opinion of your own or just to get a little refresher from where they are. I'm going to include short clips in my podcast, hopefully, um, just so you can get caught up if you're, you know, listening to this before you view the, the website. <laughs> All right, so let's just discuss how season one worked. That was a top 30 and they broke those top 30 into three different groups of 10. <laughs> For three weeks, groups of 10 would perform and then America would vote three of those contestants in. So three weeks of three leaves us at nine and we had a top 10. So the last week is a wild card show where the judges brought people back to sing and then what the judges all agreed on one person to bring to the finals. So in our first group is Tamira Gray, Jim Vararos, Adriel Herrera, Rhodesia Eves, Natalie Burge, Bad Estrin, Ryan Starr, Justin Waddle, Kelly Glover, and Christopher Aaron. And that is the performance that they are. Performance order. And this 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 episode aired on June 18th, 2002. So the first contestant to perform was Tamira Gray. So let's give a little listen of her performance. 
forgot to mention that the contestants only have one minute to perform. One minute. So I'm going to try to do like 20 second clips. But literally, if you heard that, that was tomorrow's last 20 seconds. And it was just a note. Oh my god. Sorry. I'm just like... I'm just reveling in the amazingness that was Tamira Gray. Oh my god. So she's the first person to perform at all in the semifinals. And she just fucking slayed it. She was so good. And I think... Now, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure how the order of the contestants is picked because that's a whole psychology too. You're going to remember who's first. You're going to remember who's last. Therefore, who goes first and who goes last is going to have a better better opportunity to move forward because they're like they're the last in your memory. Now, of course, on the episode, they do recap with like 10 second clips of all the singers with their phone numbers at the bottom. But I'm just saying you either have to do really good or you have to be placed in a really good spot. So Tamira just kills it, as you heard there. And um, her intro video was literally all about how she took a nap before rehearsal. And it's literally Simon Cowell, sorry. It's literally Ryan Seacrest just talking about doing the voiceover, saying like, hopefully she'll wake up for this performance. Not that he sounds like that at all, but Ryan Seacrest is a creep, as we all know now anyway. So it's fine so i mean she killed it the fashion on this season is unreal she's the first of many to wear a crop top and now i'm not saying there's an issue with wearing a crop top but there's a lot of crop tops now also everyone in this top 30 is very thin and i remember that this it was like image was really important this first season. Not that image isn't important in other seasons because you can be a large person and like fit a certain image. And Ruben Stuttered wins season two. If you haven't watched um, spoiler alert, but she's wearing crop tops and bootcut jeans. And I cannot remember the last time bootcut jeans were fashionable. And I think the only person who wears them currently is Lisa Rinna and she pulls them off, but that doesn't mean, doesn't mean my, me. I shouldn't wear bootcut jeans. I remember wearing bootcut jeans. It's it's a sad time in your life. Anywho, she just has such presence and attitude. And I, like I was talking about earlier, I think they put her first for the semifinals to be like, this is what we're looking for. And if you can't live up to this, then you need to go. You need to go home. You, you really need to to go home. For those of you who don't know that song, it's And I Am Telling You I'm Not Going. And it's by Jennifer Holiday. All three of the judges loved it, and Simon used the word sensational. Um, and then after her performance, she was just so relieved to get it over, and she's just adorable. It's so crazy. All of these people, this reality show is brand new, and so none of these contestants knew what could even come from it, but they're all so excited to be there, and they truly, truly, truly believe that they can be a superstar. And realistically, there's no reason that that should scream that not that it's it's like now that we're on the other side we know more of course kelly clarkson killed it and of course carrie underwood kept herself relevant too um but other than that is there um daughtry did a thing for a while but is there any like long-lasting presences presences oh um jennifer hudson but she doesn't win and that's a whole different kick and caboodle we will get to season three trust and believe 
but there is just those stars are born and if we look at more current modern takes on the singing competition the voice never produced anyone i've heard of the the i like the idea of the voice but it's not producing superstars i honestly think it's something that you just you just have to it's a presence it's an x factor and i think tamira gray is fully capable of all of those things so um that's why they put her first so the second person to perform is jim verraros and let's take a little listeny poo at oh you know what never mind i don't have audio for jim's um performance it's not on youtube and that's where i'm deriving my audio from but um you can go on without hearing it jim's performance is really weak Simon is really super harsh on Jim and basically calls him a loser, or he actually calls him a loser. At some point, Jim Ferraros gets called a loser by Simon Cowell, and that's kind of fucked, but you know, whatever. Okay, so I took a break in recording that last bit until now, and I rewatched the episode to take some more detailed notes. So Jim does When I Fall in Love, and so... He does some weird face movements where he does like this pouty thing. And do you know how like some people when they do vibrato, they move their mouth? But I don't think, I don't think you, real vibrato doesn't come from moving your mouth. I think that's just something people do to be like really dramatic. Like I think if you're lip syncing, you can show vibrato by moving your mouth. But I don't think you need to do it like IRL. Um, Like his performance is uh, pretty boring, but... I don't have issues with um, his like pitch or anything like that. He sounds like he's spot on. I just think he picked a boring song. Uh, so Paula said that she liked it and thought it was the best he has been the whole season. Um, Randy said it was boring like I thought. And um, Simon says, Simon says, left hand that it's not good enough and says literally to him that if you win this competition then we've failed and then Jim just says thanks you <laughs> just says thank you and leaves the state oh my goodness so um in my notes here I wrote down I forgot to mention that season one we had Brian Dunkelman as well as Ryan Seacrest so uh Brian Dunkelman as I've been re-watching I've noticed that he is more of a real human than Ryan Seacrest. Like, he seems to care that the kids have emotions while they're on the show, and while Ryan seems to just really play the producer role. So, Ryan asks Jim how he feels about Simon's comments. That's like a fresh wound. You don't need to, like, pry. He's already feeling some kind of way. That is not your job to, like, break someone down. Let the producers break them down. That's not your job, Ryan Seacrest. All right. Next up is Adriel Herrera and he's 18 but he looks like he's in his late 20s he has that um that like shaggy fringe parentheses haircut that everyone had in the late 90s and the early 2000s he kind of just looks like a Ken doll that's the best way to describe how he looks um so he sang I'll Be by Edwin McCain and let's hear a little bit of his performance
So I don't know if you guys are gonna agree with me, but I think his just such a strange quality to Adriel's voice that I find off-putting, specifically in the audio. Now he's a very handsome man, so that's part of like the X factor that we were really looking for in season one, or just in a star in general. But I just I don't know. I don't care for his voice, but the judges. Randy said it's the best he's seen him. Paula said that his voice was good. Also, while we're talking about Paula, I think, now I don't remember where it happens, but Paula is very alert and sober for Paula Abdul in this first season. Like, she remembers people's auditions and then moving forward, which I don't think happens later on. And thus far, we haven't had a Paula Abdul walrus clap. So maybe Paula did make it through the season through the season alive and then back to the judging Simon called Adriel a star so I think that's interesting critique because I really didn't I don't care for this however I did want to point out that unlike the women Adriel is wearing two shirts you know why is he wearing two shirts he had two button-ups on I don't understand fashion was so weird then so the next person to perform was Rhodesia Eves, and she sings Daydream Believer by the Monkees, and she puts her own little twist on it. Let's hear Rhodesia's, let's hear a little bit of Rhodesia's performance. the wings of a bluebird as she sings. Six o'clock along with So the introduction video for Rhodesia, she spent a lot of time on her outfit, but did not spend a lot of time picking the song. I want to talk about this for a hot minute. I can't imagine the songs that they had access to in 2002 were very good. Not that the songs weren't good, but there wasn't a lot of choices or options for them. Rhodesia has a really cool like gritty I don't know not like Rihanna-esque sounding voice so the songs she probably had to choose from were never gonna show her like never gonna show her her capabilities off and no one's gonna say that the monkeys was a good choice for her. I because a lot of the people in the semifinals end up singing the same songs they sang earlier on in the season. So either their audition song or something that they sing in Hollywood. So anyway, in her introduction video, she's working with the vocal coach and the vocal coach is like, do you know the chorus at least? And she was like, daydream believer. And it's like, the vocal coach is like, oh, well, here, here we go. I... I actually really like this. The only thing that's really iffy is kind of the last note of the song because it's kind of like screaming at you. But I think that she just, the availability of songs is probably not helpful to her. But I really liked it and I definitely would, I definitely feel like Rhodesia is one of the only people in this group who kind of shows you what kind of artist she's going to be because it didn't sound like a monkey song. It sounded like something Rhodesia would sing. So I'm impressed by that. Paula really liked it. 
Randy said he loved it and he called it like kind of urban, kind of gospel. Like that's the kind of like vibe she had. I'm noticing in rewatching that Randy really doesn't give critiques. He kind of talks around a critique. Like he'll he'll vaguely give you a good critique or vaguely give you a bad critique, but it's not like one or the other. And we all know that Paula doesn't give anything but a good critique or if she doesn't like it she'll comment your outfit or something you know that's what she does and Simon thought it was terrible so Rhodesia goes back to talk to Ryan and Brian and they ask her how she feels about that and Rhodesia she says she has no hard feelings she just like water off a duck's back for her so the next contestant to sing is Natalie Burge and she sings crazy and let's just hear a little bit of her performance. So I think that Natalie also suffered from not being able to choose from like modern songs. She sings this song. She sings it actually very straight and to the point. So not, she didn't really do much to it. You know, like Rhodesia made it sound like a different song completely almost. And um, she's very dramatic with her movements, not in a, in like a star quality way but kind of in a like I'm uncomfortable like if you were to watch this performance on mute with the video you would think she was singing a completely different song because it's it's just dramatic but I think she sounds good but she like Jim does like some some extra stuff with her mouth where she's a little bit pouty but you know she's I mean she was she was pretty good so Paula said that she noticed her nervousness and then Randy said that it was just okay, just good. And then Simon said he doesn't understand what kind of recording artist should be based on the song. So as I've said, I don't think this is totally on Natalie. I think it's more or less like she didn't have that many songs to choose from. Remember, American Idol is in its inaugural season when I'm talking about it. So they didn't have the budget to buy like really super current and, you know, songs that would cost a lot of money so these are going to be the songs that they they can get a hold of i don't think they touch a beatles song until season i don't know eight i think that's when they are able and to afford and do a beatles song and they had a whole night of it so um natalie's response is i can't appreciate older music and um yeah so it was a little bit of a weird song choice but surprisingly it's not the weirdest song choice we have this evening. And the next person who is up to sing is Brad Estrin. And here is just a little bit of his performance. But I think my all may have been too much. Lord knows we're not getting So, um, this one's like the, to me, this one's like the only one that's actually like not 
I don't understand at all. But let's rewind a little bit. In his intro video, he shows off his very 90s Phoenix tattoo. Um, very, like, right angly, the Phoenixes. I don't know. I, it, it just, I think you can see in your head. And it's, like, on the back of his left shoulder. Um, Brad is actually very handsome. Probably, the, in my opinion, the most attractive of this bunch. But um, his performance ends up being all over the place. So, you know, that's, I don't know, he gets very shouty throughout of it, throughout it, so it's not my, it's not my favorite. Paula says that she felt like she, he was disconnected from the song, and Randy said he didn't like it at all. It's probably the worst we'd seen him. Uh, three out of ten is the rating that Randy gave him. And then Simon called it Chilean karaoke. I don't even know what that means. And neither did anyone else. The next performer is none other than Ryan Starr, who sang Frim Fram Sauce. Let's hear a little bit of that performance. Tonight, I don't want fish cakes in my bread. You heard what I said, waiter, please. I'm a mind fried, I want the brim brams, oh, we're the old Sanfe. So I thought that Ryan was the youngest, but she is definitely not the youngest in the competition. She is 19 years old. For a frame of reference, Kelly Clarkson this season is only 20 years old. So I don't know why I thought Ryan was so young. Anyway, so her intro video is all about how she makes her own clothes. And I kind of mentioned that, I think, in my, like, what I remember from season one. And um, she's stomping around. She actually has a lot of star quality. She's the only contestant, in, like, besides Tamira Gray, that when you watch her on the screen, she makes sense as a star. So her voice is a very, in she has a very interesting voice. And it's kind of growly at times so I don't I don't really care for whenever she does stuff that she tends to do but also talking about her fashion as of course she's wearing a crop top but not only that she's wearing leg warmers but not like dancer leg warmers like leg warmers she made out of denim and they're white I don't know Anyway, let's get on to the judges' critique. Paula says that it amazed her. Randy kind of gives the same critique that Simon gives Natalie, that she doesn't he doesn't understand what kind of recording artist she'd be. Ryan rebuttals and says that she's a rock artist, but she wanted to show her versatility. I literally think these contestants are not allowed at all to say that they weren't able to get the song that they wanted to sing and ended up having to sing a song that cost the company no money for them to sing. But, you know, that's just my opinion. And Simon called it cabaret. Um, so another reason that Ryan chose the song was to prove that she wasn't shy. I guess throughout the competition, she had gotten critiques that she seemed that she was very shy. 
So whenever she goes back into the room, she does her little interview. And then they are done talking to her. And they're like, Ryan, okay, go back to your seat. And when she goes back to her seat, Brian says to Ryan Seacrest, she sa- he says, hey, Ryan. But Ryan Starr turns around. And it's, like, really cute because she's confused and, like, wait, we just finished talking. But anyway, I think you can see it in the clip. I think the clip I pulled of her on, on my WordPress that you get the whole critique and you get to see Ryan have this moment. So go check that out. Then our next contestant on the block is Justin Waddle. And he sings When a Man Loves a Woman. So let's hear a little bit of his performance. No, she can do no wrong. Turn his back on his best friend if they put it down. Oh, when a man a woman, yeah. I gave you everything, everything I had. Yeah. So I would like to touch base on what Justin is wearing. Justin is wearing this gold chain thing that goes all the way down past his navel. He is not wearing a shirt, but he is wearing a knee-length trench coat over top of his uh bare torso. Um, he has the body for it. Like I said, no one is not fit on this season of American Idol. He sings very well, but he's not that interesting. And I think there's like a weird juxtaposition to like what he's wearing versus what he's singing. It looks like he should be singing like a Prince song, but he is not Um, I've noticed that a lot of the men in these semifinal rounds tend to end their song in falsetto, and I'm not sure that that's, like, the best idea when you're only being accompanied by a piano, because I feel like that's something that gets overshot a lot and then doesn't kind of land the way you want it to. But it's his choice, so... Paula said it was a good performance. Randy only comments on his outfit. And then Simon says there are better singers in the competition, but he has a great image. So he has like that X factor, but he doesn't have the voice to go with it. I don't know. I kind of agree. But like, there's really not much to say about Justin. So let's move on to Miss Kelly Glover, who sings Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. So Kelly's intro video is all about how she can't decide on a song and she says that both of the songs she had selected suck. So she calls her mom and her mom told her that if you don't sing this song, I'll always love you, then you better not come back home. So it's important to know that she sang this for her audition and they liked her voice, but they told her don't sing this song because you sound like someone who's just trying to impersonate Whitney Houston. Now, of course, she sings actually pretty amazingly throughout the song. She sounds really good, actually. Um, She's also wearing a crop top, and um, this crop top looks like it's falling apart. It looks like... 
something someone would make on Project Runway with their, like, you know, on a dime challenge where, like, it just doesn't look right, you know, but they constructed a top. Anyway, but, like, it is, like I said, she sings it well, but it is kind of just a full-on impression of Whitney Houston instead of being something different and interesting. Um, Randy says he loves it. And then he gives some constructive criticism, like actual criticism about the control of her voice and control of like the air. I'm not going to repeat the constructive criticism because it doesn't mean anything to you or me. And then Paula says that she's consistently wonderful. And then Simon says that he was disappointed and says to stop copying Whitney Houston and become your own artist and that this is just karaoke. And then, but Simon's kind of being harsh on her, but follows this up and says, I know you're capable of better. So this isn't really like a mean critique. Simon's just like, you kind of blew it, but you should have been someone who made it into the the finals. So let's just move along to the next contestant, who is Christopher Aaron. And I didn't write down the name of the song, but we'll hear it for just a little bit right now. Okay. It's called Still in Love with You. Screw the pooch on that one, didn't you, Tom? So in his intro video, we learn or relearn that Tamira and Christopher had auditioned together. Like not at the same time, but like one after another. And they're good Judy's. Um, he wore a muscle tee with some weird design on it. It looked like gears. It was very, um, what's that fashion statement with all the gears? Anyway. He sounds good, but I think he sounds like really breathy, but he's like hitting all the right notes and he's a very attractive man. So, you know, there's all of that. Randy said that he sounded amazing and lots of commentary is on how like chilled and relaxed he always is, which I guess in the past has gotten him in trouble for being uninterested. But that's really not what it was. Um, Paula says that he has this quiet confidence in the voice of an angel. And then Simon said he thought it was fantastic. It was a brilliant song choice for him. And then Tamira hugs him and um, does the cutest little laugh. So I think his his, um, performance video that I have on the blog includes the laugh. And it's just, it's adorable. Tamira Gray is so adorable. I don't remember her being this adorable. But I'm so excited that I'm getting to re-experience this all again. Now, before I move on to how the results went, I'm going to give you my power rankings of how I would rank them in my personal opinion. Because you care, but you don't. But I would love to hear how you would rank them. So in 10th place, I have Brad because it's really, it's really not that great. It's really, it's really the only one that has like a lot of pitch issues where you can just kind of hear it and you kind of do that weird like one eye close while you're listening to it. In 9th, I have Adriel because I thought he was boring. And also when I was making my list, I couldn't figure out who the, the person I was missing was and it was him. So you're kind of forgettable. Not, he's kind of, I'm not saying, I don't mean that in the mean way, but I didn't remember him. In 8th place, I have Natalie because, you know, that's 
that song just didn't really go. In seventh place, I actually have Jim. I didn't hate it as much as, you know, Simon did. In sixth place, I have Justin. In fifth place, I have Kelly. In fourth place, I have Rhodesia, and I feel like I have to justify this a little bit, but she was the only one who sounded like a distinct artist, and I appreciate that more than vocal capabilities or vocal, I don't know, the way, you know, pitch and all of that. And then in third place, I have Ryan because of her amazing star quality. Second, I have Christopher because he sang very well. And then in first, I have Miss Tamira Gray, and there's really, you know, no questioning that. However, if I were to pick my favorite three to go through, I would have picked Rhodesia and I would have picked Ryan and Tamira. That's just how it is. I would love to hear who you would have picked to move through. Okay, let's get into the results show. So the results show happened the next day and the results was actually recorded live. So the performances were pre-recorded and then aired and then you voted, and then the results were given out live. So I remembered a couple of things while I was watching the results show. The we There was a website that tracked how busy the lines were. I remember I used to track that when I voted, so it was going to give you a better idea of who might be going home or who was in danger of going home. And I don't remember what the name of that website was. So if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, please shoot me an email or a tweet or whatever. Um, I'm very interested. I, I remember tracking this website, but I don't remember what it's called at all. And then I also remembered Vote for the Worst, but I don't think Vote for the Worst was in effect quite yet. Anyway, so there were 3 million votes casted or about that. And I was actually really impressed with that number. That seems like quite a bit for your first episode where people actually get to vote. So... They're introducing the judges, and it's Paula's birthday, so they say happy birthday to Paula, and then Simon says she looks good for 50, and then Paula really doesn't have a comeback, and she was like, yeah, I like stole your serum juice, because you're like really 70, which is just really more of a compliment towards Simon, who like actually looks really good, not that Paula doesn't, um, you know, Paula's still with it, and she's wearing a pink lame power suit, and I really live for it. So then as they were like going through all of the people, they were saying their ages again. And I was just like, all these people look older than 19. I don't know why, but they all look older. Has skincare just gotten that much better since 2002? I really don't know because I feel like they look like my age now and I'm 27. So they all look about six or seven years older than they actually were. So I don't know. So what they did, the judges the night of recording the performances gave their best guess. So the top three who were moving on were announced in voting order. So the person who got the most votes was first, and then whoever got the second most votes was put in second, and then whoever got the third most votes was put in third. So they asked the judges, who do you think is going to get the most votes? So they all say Tamara, and that's who they think they voted. So they give a... The judges a chance to change their mind and none of them do and then they cut to commercial and the commercial well on 
this that I was watching, it cuts to a Ford Focus commercial, you know, like one of the fake ones they do for the sponsors. And it's Kelly Glover and she's in um, a Ford Focus and she's in front of a green screen. And the Ford Focus she's on is like bouncing back and forth as if it's like, you know, a virtual reality ride, like a 4D adventure. And she can't even, like, get her lines out because she's, like, bouncing around. And I think she's so distracted by it. It's actually quite funny. And I was really, I really enjoyed her performance there. So they come back from commercial break. And Tamira was the number one in voting. She's the first to move on. So the judges were right. And they ask Simon why they think this is. And Simon says that Tamira is what it's all about. She is talent. Could you imagine being just talent? You just are talent. You don't have it. You are talent. I wish I was talent. So I did write this down. I've always talked about reality shows to my friends. For the most part, you're always more likely to be safe than you are to go home. So like once they get to the finals, they eliminate them one by one. You have nine out of 10, you're 90% chance that you're going to move on to the next round at the top 10. So in this situation, you only have a 30% chance. And then it kind of gets worse from there after one person gets it. So they cut to Tamika, who is someone who had like a bad audition. And for whatever reason, gets brought to be a correspondent. They use her in a few things throughout the season, at least of what I've seen of the season so far. And they ask her what she thought of the other performers from that night. And then she asks what Frim Fram is. Oh shit, I meant to look up Frim Fram. Give me one second. So it turns out Frim Fram sauce is a song of a bunch of made up dishes that don't exist. And it's just a bunch of nonsense. So there you go. That's all it was. How very jazz like. The points, it's all just made up and the points don't matter. Well, I got that reference so wrong. Anyway. Um, she makes some mean comments to Rhodesia and Jim, and then Ryan Seacrest asks those two how they, they feel about it. And Rhodesia calls Tamika a sore loser and says, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. I forgot all about the weakest link. And I was like, that just is really proof of what time and what era this show was airing. And, um, Jim has a comeback as well. And he's whatever about it. So they ask the contestants if they have any questions for the judges while they're live on television. And Natalie asks if there were any regrets about their comments. And Paula and Randy really don't say much because it's clear that the question's directed at Simon. And Simon kind of, he doesn't really apologize for his comments. He just kind of says he wishes he had more time to phrase things better instead of just doing like a guttural reaction because he said he has cringed at some of his comments before so that's I mean he does he's not soulless so then they go back to the predictions so the second chair Paula predicts Chris will get the second chair Randy predicts Chris and then Simon predicts Adriel so then the judges are asked if they wanted to change their prediction at all during the live show and Paula and Randy stay true to Chris and then Simon says that he thought the girls did better overall that night. And he didn't really change his prediction. He still thought it was going to be Adriel. But he said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ryan. 
Well, it turns out Ryan Starr was the second most votes and she gets the second chair and she like flips out. She is so excited. She just keeps hugging Tamara and she just like is like, ah! so it's kind of adorable. And they're just hugging each other because they're both moving on into this this dark abyss of American Idol and we're not really sure what it is yet, but they're really excited to be a part of it. So um, they move forward and they ask the judges live instead of these pre-recorded predictions who they think the final seat will go to. So Randy says Chris, Paula says Adriel, and Simon sticks with Adriel. Well, the third chair, it goes to Mr. Jim Loser Vararos. Now, I'm not calling him Loser, but he was called a loser. Do you know what I'm saying? And so Jim looks completely shocked. He, like, just... His mouth is agape. And then Natalie like jumps from her row and goes to hug him. And literally everyone else is more excited that he's moving on than he is because he really hasn't like figured it out. Eventually he he does come to his senses and, and walks over and uh, the the contestants are clearly not prepared to be like talked to when this is all going on because they're just like, oh my God, like it's a thing that's happening. Oh my God. And like the the hosts are trying to calm them down and ask them a question, but they're just, they're just too busy. So they kind of got back to the couches and everyone seems to be handling it okay except for Kelly Glover who is full on bawling her eyes out. Natalie is also crying but she seems more excited for the people who made it through than like disappointed that she didn't make it through. Anyway, it, it's a pretty uncomfortable sight to see because you have this group of three people who are so ecstatic to move on. And then you have, you know, all of the really sad people. So they ask Simon about his comments because Jim was voted through and Simon says that he respects the voting and it's not in his hands, but he disagrees with the voting. And then Brian asks Simon if he thinks that his negative comments had swayed the votes at all. And Simon says, no, you're wrong, Simon. If you're a cunt bag to someone, then they're going to get voted through because Amara doesn't have time for that bullshit. Also, he has a pretty good sob story, Jim. Both of his parents are deaf. So he had that going for him too. And since his sob story was in the audition and in Hollywood, it's not like America we had time to forget because sometimes people have really great sob stories in the auditions and then we forget about it by the time, you know, the semifinals roll around. So he had that in his favor as well. So that's really it for that episode, for that week. Now, something I'm going to do is I'm going to now tell you what's happened to them since they've been on the show. On this episode, I won't be talking about Christopher, Aaron, or Kelly because they both get asked back to the wild card and they perform in it. And just to save me some work this episode, I think it would be better suited for them to have their own episode on the wild card. So first, I'm going to talk about Adriel Herrera. So I do want to thank, there's a website called The Idol Vault, and it, these posts were from 2009, but they gave me a good starting point for their, their history after American Idol. So Adriel apparently was invited to be in the wild card, but declined. I feel like that might have been, maybe not a poor choice, it's definitely his choice to do whatever he wants. However... 
Uh, all the judges at some point said that he should have been in the top 10. So it might have been wise for him if he really wanted to compete to come back. But this show is still in its its early iteration. So maybe he was just like, you know, there, nothing's even going to come of this show if I stay in it. So there's really no point. Um, so he was in a band called Asphalt Apology from 2003 to 2005. And they have some songs that I could find on YouTube. Um, so let's just play a little snippet. Yeah, so definitely not the same age role that we saw on American Idol at all. So I don't know if he was uh, trying to have this rock star image when he was on American Idol, but it definitely didn't come across, you know, because that was not what I was expecting when I clicked play when I found this a little bit earlier. So um, I think this group has since disbanded and then I was trying to find more and then I clicked on this profile and it said Adriel Herrera and it didn't really look like him but he was very handsome so I creeped on that guy for a while and I don't think it is Adriel Herrera but if it is he's very handsome still just in case you were wondering but I don't think it was him I can't be sure. So let's move on to the next person who got eliminated. Uh, next up is Justin Waddell. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so now modern day, Justin goes by Frankie Razor. And he has toured with Faith Evans and Jamie Foxx, among other people, since he left the show. And... Um, I, I got all my information on him from the Idol Vault. So at the time of 2009, he was working on a reality show and it wasn't put to network, but it is on YouTube. And this is all, all of the things I'm mentioning right now are going to be linked on the blog. And I'll mention where to find that at the end of the show. And he appeared at the farewell season of American Idol. There was a finalist party and he was there. So that was kind of cool. And he said he was still friends with Rhodesia and Kelly at the time of this interview. He actually gave a statement to the Idol Vault, which is pretty cool. And he actually, as of 2016, has still produced music. So here's a little clip of one of his songs. This one's called Breakup in Paradise. Tipsy from Jack and Coke Sent you to make sure That everybody knows my name You believed in me Now you and me is just a memory Break up in bed So everything I found from Frankie Is all available on iTunes So if you were a big fan of Justin Waddell Or you liked that song You can head over to your iTunes Or your Apple Music I don't know if it's on Spotify But it's on one of It's on both of It's on Apple So head over there Download Download the song He also had a song I guess that appeared on One of the Purge movies Because one of his singles Says in parentheses From the Purge Something I know I've never seen the Purge movies, so that's... I really don't... I don't know. So next up is Rhodesia Eves. 
Today she goes by Vintage V. And um, I found her Twitter, Vintage V's Twitter. And on January 3rd of this year, she posted or she tweeted a cover art and that said Saturday's Oxygen, the EP. It didn't really have a release date, but I guess that's coming soon. And she's released music within the past six months on her SoundCloud. And I also found this song called All Day Long, and it features Trouble and KJ. So let's hear a little bit of that. It's really kind of nice to hear Rhodesia in her own realm of things because clearly the monkeys is not really where it was at for her. Unfortunately, none of her music is available on iTunes at this time, but please go follow her on Twitter or um, subscribe to her SoundCloud channel. That would be cool too. And then let's see, who else do I have? Oh, Natalie Burge. So, um, Idol Vault said that she had worked on some background vocals uh, to 2009, but said her website hadn't been updated recently at that time. So I clicked on the link to her website from Idol Vault, and it didn't go anywhere. It went to like a dead website. And then she has appeared in an eating out movie, which starred Jim Verraros. But we'll get to Jim Verraros when he gets eliminated. And... She currently works in artist management. I found her LinkedIn, um, and she seems pretty happy. Well, as far as I can tell from her LinkedIn, she seems really happy to be doing it. She's doing, she's been doing it for like two and a half years. And finally, we have Mr. Brad Estrin. So according to the Idol Vault, he hasn't done much music wise. There's a few quotes on the Idol Vault that they give. Um, he kind of talks about how one of the contestants was really backstabbing on his group of 10 in the semifinals. I guess his hometown didn't air the episode because there was a football game that night and it got like pushed or something like that. So his hometown um, wouldn't see the episode, which is kind of fuckery because because your hometown's going to vote for you the most. Like that's a thing. Anywho. He looks like he's been acting recently. I found his Twitter. He has a very active Twitter feed. And I checked his IMDb. And he was in two releases last year. Um, they were called You Can't Have It and Rocco. And I, I don't know that either of them did very well. But they do exist. And props to him for trying to make it work in Hollywood. Because I know that's really really hard so that wraps up the little history lesson of the contestants who were eliminated on the episode and that wraps it up for my episode of pop idol the podcast pop idol with an le if you don't remember any of these performances head to my wordpress it's in the links below of the little information of this episode please click them it'll take you right to the website if you do really want to type it all in it's popidolpodcast.wordpress.com so please just click the link i'm also on twitter at popidolpodcast that's just the twitter handle i always want to say at twitter.com but it's not an email and I promise I'm not 800 years old and working on this side of things 
Also, like I said before, I do co-host another podcast. It's called It Bears Repeating, and I co-host that with my good Judy. Her name is Tiffany, and on that show, we recap RuPaul's Drag Race, and we are currently covering season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race, the one that is airing. Unlike this episode, we are staying up to date with that podcast instead of, you know, podcasting about things that happened nearly 20 years ago. Also, if you're into makeup at all, I do have some a makeup channel. I'm at Hope Mess Tom on almost everything. You can find me wherever on YouTube, the Instagram. That's like my personal gig. That's all my stuff. And that about wraps up this whole episode. I'm done giving you my spiel. If you're listening to me on iTunes, please subscribe and rate. And I would love to hear from you. If you do have anything you would like to say to me, please tweet at me or you can email me at um, popidolpodcast at gmail.com because I know a lot of people used to watch this show. I'm curious to see what you think. So again, my name is Hope Mess Tom and this has been Pop Idol Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day.